Welcome to Unstoppable Faith with Dr. Kazumba Charles. This program is designed to inspire you to stand on the Word of God and to help you build unshakable and unstoppable faith in Jesus Christ. Here's your host, Dr. Kazumba. It's always an honor and a blessing to bring you the Word of God, to bring you men and women of God who come to share on this uh, program. On today's program, we have a special guest, but before I talk about my special guest, I just want to take some time to say thank you to all of you who have uh, supported this ministry, who are partners of this ministry, and also who have been a praying for us we say thank you so very much it is your prayers and your financial support that enables us to do more for the kingdom of god and for that my wife and i glory we are so grateful to you our partners and our friends and those who are not considered to become partners of this ministry please you can write to us info at kitvnetwork.com and we'll be surely be glad you would join us to do the work of God. On today's program, as mentioned, I'm going to have my special guest, Chip Ingram. Chip Ingram is uh, the teaching pastor as well as uh, the CEO of uh, Living on the Age, an international teaching and uh, discipleship uh, ministry. Chip has been in ministry for over 30 years and he has written so many, many books. Today's topic we're going to focus on, uh, I choose a peace, how to quiet your heart in an anxious world. Stay tuned and I'll be right back with Chip Ingram. Anxiety is actually when your mind is being pulled apart in two different directions. And it has huge spiritual, emotional, mental and physical impact. The three major causes, according to experts of anxiety, are the fear of the future, conflict in the present, and regrets over the past. So here's the deal. How in the world, how can we overcome anxiety? How can we have the kind of supernatural peace? Man of God, welcome to Unstoppable Faith. Great to be with you all. Thanks so much for having me. I am so excited today as we look at the topic, I choose peace, how to quiet your heart in an anxious world. That is from uh, your latest book. You've written so many, many books. Um, why did you feel the need to write uh, this book? Well, I would love to say that I saw all this coming and I knew this would be the message that God would want. But the fact of the matter is, is I, I tend to teach very expositionally. And um, a couple years ago, I was teaching through Philippians chapter four. And what I saw was a, a man in prison under intense pressure and a group of people with government challenges, financial challenges. Uh, I mean, pressures at every relational issues. And as I was beginning to teach through that, I realized what he was really teaching them was how to have peace. And it was a warm relationship he had with this church. And so, uh, like I, I know that you know, so you turn a manuscript in usually a year in advance. Yes. And so as God had led me, it was like, 
this, this is what I believe we need more than anything else. Because, you know, the very last thing Jesus said to the disciples, my peace I give to you. Mm-hmm. And they had all this uncertainty and all this fear. And yet he says, this is what will sustain you. And it's what the world saw in the midst of, you know, early on. Remember there, I think it's Acts chapter 4. And they understood that Peter and John had been with Jesus because why? They acted so much like him under pressure. And um, so I'm just thankful that in the midst of a pandemic that came, that God has given us his word. And I can make a small contribution to help my brothers and sisters and others uh, experience God's peace. Having it is one thing experiencing it is something else and uh, your introduction states that peace is uh, really a choice what do you mean by that what i mean by that is uh, the very last night john chapter 14 jesus said my peace i give to you not as the world gives but my peace i give to you so he tells them it's a gift this shalom would be the word that he would use there Uh, And it's not just the absence of conflict, the shalom of God, my peace. In other words, uh, the healthiness of your soul, the emotional peace when there's external circumstances and pressure, the alignment of the purposes of God with the purposes he has for your life. All of those things have to do with the peace that he gave us. And then what we learn is that in, in the next chapter, chapter 15, he talks about this abiding that they do. But the promise in chapter 14 of the peace was, I will give you another one. And the word in Greek is another one of the same kind, another one like me, not just that will be with you, but will be in you. Mm. So when the peace of God through the Holy Spirit dwells in our life as followers of Jesus, we have all that we need to experience the shalom, his purpose, his health, his emotional quietness in the midst of things. But then we learn that we have to appropriate it. We have to learn how do we draw on the peace that we already have. I'm enjoying your teaching already here. Uh, in I Choose Peace, uh, the, your latest book, which is in my back, or the, the viewers can see it on the screen there. Um, you mentioned three sources where we look to find peace. Inward, outward, and upward. Walk us through these uh, three sources. Well, mankind, uh, all of us, we've all longed for peace. And various uh, people have tried to find it in different ways. Um, I I lived in a a little town called Santa Cruz, which is very new agey for about 12 years. And by new agey, I mean all the the Eastern thought. Uh, In Eastern thought, peace is something that is within you and you have to uh, someone ca- called the Christ within you, or it's becoming one with the universe. In other words, all the answers to life, they're inside of you. And uh, that's an Eastern mindset very much about, and whether it's um, the, the idea of karma, of coming back at various levels, or whether it's the, the concepts of Buddhism, of coming in alignment with the flows of life. But the whole goal is to, to find this peace within yourself. Uh, the external approach is much more Western. It was much more Greek. You know, the Greeks had multiple gods. And the way you get peace in, in the Greek mindset and much the outward way is you need to get your circumstances and your uh, desires um, telling the same story. Wow. In, in Eastern thought, 
It's that you need to lower your desires and get to where it doesn't matter what happens. And you, you're going to have this peace because you get to where you don't care. Um, in Western thought, it's more like, okay, when I get married, then I'll have peace. When I get a good job, then I'll have peace. We can't have children. When we can have children, then I'll have peace. When I make more money, then I'll have peace. When I get the car that I want, then I'll have peace. And so when I can achieve, when I can look this way, so especially in Western American culture, we have people chasing peace, running after it. Uh, I've got to look this way. I've got to earn so much money. I have to drive this kind of car. I, I need to appear this way, these kind of clothes. And it's always, it's always on the horizon, but you never quite get it. Or in another case, um, because I live here in the Silicon Valley, uh, here in this area of San Jose, it happens to be not only the most diverse ethnically of any place in all of America, including New York City, but it's the richest place on the earth. 80% of all venture capital flows out of this area. Uh, I can drive within 15 or 20 minutes of 15 of the top 20 tech companies in the entire world. Wow. And so it's, it's massively affluent. And so because our ministry has been here, I have many friends, many friends who have the big house up on the hill that are high positions in the Googles and Apples and Brandon, uh, um, Facebook. Um, and and they, they have everything that everyone would say, if you ever got that, you would have peace. And I, I end up kind of counseling and mentoring a number of those people. And I will tell you, um, having enough money, having a, a pretty spouse, having a beautiful car, being able to go on vacations wherever you want, um, does not produce lasting peace. It doesn't mean those things are wrong. No. But one goal is internal, the other goal is external. God says, it's from me. Peace is upward. We look to him, the God who made us, the God who designed us, uh, the God who says, there, there is a vacuum in your life, and it's only when Christ fills that vacuum. And that's the first step as we come to know Jesus personally. But then I think for many of us who are followers, we know Jesus is the answer, but then we fall into uh, the patterns of the world, don't we? And we think, oh, I know, Jesus helped me get more stuff. Uh, Jesus helped me become who I think will be successful. So I think the thing with peace is we need to understand, first and foremost, it's a gift. Second, we'll be tempted to find it in things, in people, in success or security, either externally or internally. And finally, we need to remember God uh, he has given it to us, and he longs for us to experience a deep, settled peace. In fact, the Apostle Paul would remind us, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you've been called into one body and be thankful. This is just powerful because, uh, you know, we're living in a, in a time where everybody is uh, chasing uh, money, nothing wrong with it. Like you've mentioned, everybody's chasing all these other things in order for them to find their peace or their rest or the shalom that you're talking about. But the shalom and the real peace, as you mentioned, and I love the way you say it's a gift from God and our peace comes from upward. That is so powerful. That brings me to this question I have for you as well. So it is... um. 
what's the difference between the peace that most of us are looking for and uh, a much broader and bigger gift of God that is a shalom of God? What is the difference between the two and why does it matter? I think the major difference is when we think about peace, we think of the absence of difficult circumstance or the absence of relational conflict. Um, peace is primarily not something that we have. It's a good feeling, but it's when things aren't bothering us. And by contrast, the peace of God, the shalom of God, is complete soundness or wholeness of health, both internally, externally, spiritually, emotionally, and, and even in your body. It, it has the idea that there's a peace, there's harmony in relationships, and there's an alignment that your, your life, your success is aligning with God's will for your life. And finally, the shalom of God actually has even built into it the idea of victory over our enemies. And so isn't it interesting when Jesus said, my peace I give to you, and then what does he do? He goes into battle with the enemy in the garden, and he, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Then he submits to the Father's will with great pain, but for the joy set before him endures the cross. Then he crushes Satan and defeats the enemy. Then he rises from the dead, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he reigns. The kingdom has come, but it will not fully come until he returns. And he says to us, I am your king. Now, I want my peace, my power. I want to walk with you. I didn't leave you on your own. And so he deposits the spirit of God within us to guide us. And then he gives us his word because we have to renew our mind. It's the light. And the spirit of God takes the written word of God and makes it the living word in our life. And so then he guides us and directs us so that in our individual lives, we're praying and experiencing his kingdom coming, his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. In, in little things in our homes, in big things like our marriages, in our parenting, in our work, in the gifts that he's given us, in our churches, in our communities. And he says, I want my peace and my power to flow through you in a way where when everyone is looking in fear and dismay and anxiety, it's not that those things never affect you, but there's a shalom. There's a quietness in your heart because you have an eternal perspective. There's a shalom because your life is aligned with the truth of God's word that doesn't change. There's a shalom because I told you what, I have made a way for you to walk in. And I, I, I walked in a level of, we, we, we don't like this too much. But he, but he says, I have suffered, and he's called us to walk in that same path, and in that he refines us, and he makes us more like Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul would be able to say, I have peace or absolute contentment regardless of my circumstances. When things are super great, I have peace. When things are challenging, I have peace. And let's not confuse it. It doesn't mean you're always happy or always upbeat or, you know, everything's going great. There's, there's challenges. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. I think the Lord knows we're human. But what he wants us to know is, I've got you. Your future is secure. My arm is around you. My spirit is within you. My word is before you. And now, as you 
do life with fellow believers in community. Together, we're connected, and we walk in the peace and the power of Christ. Isn't it interesting, Doctor, how many times when the Apostle Paul opens a book or closes a book or says something, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You know, he, he wasn't just saying bye-bye. I mean, that wasn't just like, see you later, hasta la vista, you know. It, it wasn't just a little phrase. The grace of the Lord and the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be wow. with you. This is powerful. This is powerful. Uh, I, I want to take some time here. I want to take some time because, uh, you know, we, we got, I got quite a lot of uh, questions. I don't, I don't want to rush you. I want you to take your time, especially on the next question I have. Please take your time and teach on, on this topic. Uh, in your book, you identify five specific areas where Christians struggle with experiencing God's peace. And then you provide a very specific biblical instruction and practical ways to experience peace in those areas. Why did you choose these five areas and where did they originate? from well these five areas flow right out of philippians chapter four and just by by way of a narrative for an arc for all of those that are sharing the time the apostle paul's in prison he's writing to that philippian church that he loves remember lydia was by the water and you know she, she comes to know the lord he ends up in jail god does a great thing and a church is planted in that little colonial uh, roman colony of philippi now he's writing him a letter, and it's really a thank you note because they sent Epaphroditus and some financial means. Uh, many of you don't know it, but when you were in prison in the ancient world, they didn't feed you. If your friends didn't come and take care of you and, and provide your food, you were in big trouble. And so he tells them in chapter one, you know, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. And he doesn't know if he's going to be executed, but he says, you know what, no matter what, uh, what matters most is Christ. And then in chapter two, he talks to them about their own relationship, and he says, at the heart of great relationships is humility. Consider others as more important than yourself. And then he gives that great passage about Jesus, who didn't think himself, he didn't consider himself, though he was, equal to God, but he humbled himself, taking the form of a bondservant. And then by chapter 3, he talks about, you know, his own pedigree and, and his passion in life. And in chapter 3, he says, you know, by human standards, whether it's birth, whether it's education, whether it's background, I put everyone to shame, but I count all of that as rubbish compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he uses a word for knowing there for personal, intimate knowledge. And then so he gets to the end. So chapter four, he, he wants to address some of the issues that they're facing. And so in verses one through five, he talks about a relational conflict in the church. And he reminds them, hey, your citizenship is in heaven. That's where you really belong. And so he, there's a little relational conflict. And then in verses 6 and 7, he realizes they're anxious. And so he addresses anxiety. And then in verses 8 and 9, he says, it's one thing to have the peace of God. But he says, I'll tell you what, the world is broken. Rome was harsh. 80% uh, of the church were, were, were people in poverty and slaves. He says, the world is broken and it's not fair. Let me show you how to have the God of peace. Let me, your thinking is going to be really important. And then there's circumstances that are challenging. And so he knows that. So he teaches them, this is how to have peace in difficult circumstances. And then it's 
he, he tucks in something because money issues are always a problem in all of our life, right? I mean, yes. Well, we struggle. So, sometimes we, we have more than we ever thought we'd have, and it can suck our heart away from the Lord. <laughs> Often we don't have enough or we're struggling. So he wants to teach them about how God will provide for all their needs when, in fact, they're living their life financially according to his plan. So uh, all of those five topics I really got by just studying Philippians chapter 4 and asking myself, what was the Apostle Paul saying to this group in their time in the first century? And then what you see is there's five key things that he does, and then lo and behold, those five things are the very things that rob us of our peace in our day. And so after teaching it, then what I tried to do is say, practical. Well, for example, relational conflict. What did he tell them to do, and how can we follow that good example? If you're just joining us on Unstoppable Faith, wherever you may be joining, either watching around the world or listening on radio, I have a very special guest dealing with a very important topic, Pastor Chip Ingram. He is here with me. He has written this powerful book, I Choose Peace, How to Quiet Your Heart in an Anxious World. He's the senior or teaching pastor of uh, living on the age church man of god this is uh, so important i want to jump to this other question that i have here let's jump into the first area where we typically lose our peace conflict in relationships what biblical counsel and practical advice can you give someone that lacks peace because of a problem relationship wise well, I would encourage them to uh, open their Bible or on your phone and read Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. And, and out of that, I, I developed five very practical principles. And before I give them, let's do this. Who is one person in your life right now that you have some relational conflict? It might be, you know, one of your kids. It might be a friend. might be someone at work. could could be your, your husband or your wife. Uh, maybe it's someone you know in the church, but I'd like you, I'd like you to think about you're just not getting along. You feel frustrated. You have feelings of resentment, or they just make you crazy. Okay, have you got that person? See, we always hear God's word much more clearly when we think about okay, what are you saying to me, rather than oh, those are nice principles. Principle number one is resolve to stop procrastinating. We lose our peace because, you know, I'm not talking about just a little thing that happens with the person here or there. This is when you have constant internal conflict. Maybe they don't even know about it, or there is external conflict. It could be your personalities or communication styles, but you just rub each other the wrong way. Address it. So often we internalize it, and then what we do that is not good is we tell other people, you know, Mary, the way she talks in the meetings all the time or some women get together, you know, my husband, I, I wish he was a lot more this way. He's not doing this. He should do that. Or our pastor, I don't know what he was thinking. That message, and we take our problems with people and we take them with others. And that is not only wrong and, and destructive, but it's sinful. Sometimes we need someone to give us some help 
But when we have a conflict, we need to say, I'm going to address this head on with this person. Second is to reevaluate your expectations. Um, I think as Christians, sometimes we think we all love God. Um, so we should, we should like each other and everything should be smooth with one another all the time. Let me give you a couple of examples. I'm obviously a pastor, and um, you know I want to love everyone. But because of my background, I played basketball and baseball growing up. I played basketball around the world. I have a real passion for for sports, um, and I have some very close friends here that are really into technology. I mean, writing code, and and so what what I found was. Um, when I want to just relax, probably hanging around with people that want to talk about technology is not near as relaxing or refreshing as maybe going out and playing some pickup basketball with someone that I'm more comfortable with. It doesn't mean there's a good or a bad, but all I want you to know is sometimes just because people are different, our expectations are something is wrong. We need, we need to adjust the expectations that we like to be around some people more than other people. That's not bad. But let's not demand that every relationship is going to be this close, wonderful, emotional, fulfilling relationship. Now, sometimes even in those close ones like our marriage, is our expectations are my husband should be living and doing this all the time. And my wife should be doing this. We, we need to have clear expectations. But at some point, we need to also say, you know, I really love my husband. I really love my wife. And there's, there's nine things that are wonderful about him or her. But there's this one that really bugs me. Sometimes we focus on the one so much that we begin to think that we have not a good marriage or not a good friendship. Sometimes we need to remember people are human like us. Until the Lord returns, we're not going to be perfect. And adjusting our expectations to give people some grace. Now, if it's, if it's real conflict, and you know, no, this is not just love covers a multitude of sins. There's a problem, and it's with my, it's with my husband or wife. It's with one of my children. It's with uh, a key person at work. We can't get it resolved. The third step after stop procrastinating and reevaluating your expectations is get competent outside help. You, you notice in, in verse 3, uh, he, he says, my, lo- my yoke fellow yoke friend. Uh, it's either a proper name, but it's the, the compound word is someone who calm, comes alongside another person to help them get things resolved. And so there's these two women in the church, uh, Syntyche and Euodia, and they both are godly. They're both greatly used of God, but they don't get along. <laughs> if they could have gotten along on their own, they would have gotten along. So Paul, after hearing from the church, says, I want this counselor to come and meet with these two wonderful ladies and help them learn to get along. Sometimes we need a third party outside perspective. Uh, Again, just a a picture so you don't get discouraged. Mm -hmm. Um, My father, because of uh, some challenging things he went through, he came out of World War II and he was an alcoholic. Uh, My wife, um, father went through World War II and some other things and he was an alcoholic. So uh, we both had families that were pretty dysfunctional. We both came to know Jesus as adults. She was wonderful. We get married. And we love each other very, very much. But she was making me crazy. 
<laughs> I was making her crazy. We didn't know how to communicate. We didn't know how to resolve conflict. And all this is happening while I'm studying to be a pastor and I'm in seminary. And I'm thinking, how can I be a pastor when I can't get along with my wife? I love her, but literally we would just, and we didn't yell or scream or throw things. We just weren't happy. We just didn't communicate. And so I had a friend say, you need to see a good Christian counselor. And my first reaction was, I don't need a counselor. Mm. And I was embarrassed to think that I would need a counselor. And he said to me, well, you seem like a pretty reasonable person and you love God and your wife loves God. How are you doing working it out on your own? I said, not very good. You need a counselor. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was pride. So I humbled myself. We went to a biblical counselor and for about 10 or 12 sessions, this was in our first two years of marriage, it changed the course of our life. But we couldn't figure it out. Probably 10 or 15 years later, wasn't a big problem, but we kept working on something. You know, it was with our parenting. We went and talked to a, a pastor who was a counselor who helped us work through how to do something in our parenting. So all, all I want to tell you is don't procrastinate, re adjust your expectations, get outside help, and then the last two are pretty simple, and it's this. Refuse to let one relationship ruin your life. You know, sometimes there's just that person at work that bugs everyone, and you fixate on them, and you just need to say, I'm going to let it go. I'm not letting that person ruin my life. And then the final one is, as followers of Jesus, this is something to remember. Remember that a right response, a response of godliness, humility, uh, honoring God are what comes out of our mouth. Um, a godly response, the right response is more important uh, than being right. So much of our conflict is rooted in pride. I'm right, she's wrong. She's right, I'm wrong. And so the Apostle Paul gives us some very practical ways, doctor, to, uh, to resolve those relationships. And it's not easy. Let, let's, let's just remember, it's not easy to resolve conflict. Yes, yes. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. Now, real quick here, we'll be bringing you back. We'll be bringing Pastor Chip here, Ingram. This is solid stuff, powerful stuff. We'll be bringing him back to do part one, uh, sorry, part two, as we look at our anxiety. But man of God, where can the people go to connect with you and get a copy of this book? Uh, they, they can get it at, you know, Amazon, ChristianBook.com, or at livingontheedge.org livingontheedge.org and you can and see it on the screen there of right uh, scrolling right there you can see it you can get your book we'll be having pastor chip ingram right here on unstoppable faith until then shalom shalom faith is the currency of the kingdom of god thank you for tuning in to unstoppable faith with dr kazumba charles if this program has been a blessing to you, write to us at life at and share your testimony.